Welcome to 28 and Searching. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I have Daniel Wolliger with me. Thank you, Daniel, for coming on my show. You're welcome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you currently residing? How old are you? How long have you been in your industry? That sort of thing. I am in Durham, North Carolina, originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I am 32 years old, and I've been in my industry for around five years now, off and on. Okay, very cool. And so what exactly is your job title, and what does it mean that you do? I'm a business manager. Uh, actually, I hold many different titles, and they all mean the same thing. So business <laughs> manager, finance manager, finance producer. So I uh, I do the paperwork, state and bank, DMV, so on and so forth, for a vehicle purchase. So when you come into a dealership, you buy a car, you agree to the numbers, I come out and I speak to you, and then I pull you into my office. We do all your paperwork. I present you a suite of products and I uh, anticipate a sale each time. And uh, that's what I do. Okay. So most people in life will probably approach somebody in your position at one point. If they purchase a car from a dealership. Yes. Okay. And how did you get into that? That sounds, I mean, that's, that's kind of a back office job. What kind of uh, steps did you take to get there? Uh, it, it started off when I was a child. Um, a, a passion for cars oh. and throughout my life uh, of just reading, studying, uh, as you would with any passion, uh, learning. And I became a walking encyclopedia when it came to automobiles. And so I put that to good use along with a decent personality and a talkative nature. And I went into sales and the only thing that made sense for me was to go sell cars. Uh, despite the shady undertones of a you know used car, new car salesman, I wanted to go out there and do it because I knew that I would be good at it. Um, and I was because of the knowledge and because of the fact that people I'm approachable. Now, I'm a large person. I'm six foot five. I'm 300 pounds. I'm a big guy, mm -hmm. uh, but I look like I'm 12. I sound <laughs> like I'm. <laughs> so, again, the approachable aspect is is definitely a, a thing I have going for me. But um so what did I have to do to get there? I started at Andy Chevrolet in Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know if you can say people's names or not, but I was detailing cars there and I uh, just did that just as you would any startup job. I think I was about 17 or 18 <clears throat> when I started and uh, ended up moving up throughout the years. I went over to a Nissan dealership in 2009 and sold Nissans there in Rock Hill, South Carolina after a big transitional move. Um, so it, uh, I got really my big start in sales there in terms of the automobile industry mm -hmm. and I liked it. It was about two years that I spent there. It was my learning phase. It was kind of one of those sketchy dealerships that you didn't want to be at and didn't want to buy a car from. <laughs> so it, you I learned, learned the ropes there. I learned that I, yeah, I cut my teeth at one of those old West type dealerships where it really was old West. I mean, people were drinking and it, you know, it oh, was wow. crazy. Okay. Yeah, no, it was, it was <laughs> wild, but <laughs> so, um, that actually steered me away from the you know, auto industry for a couple of years because I just kind of had enough of it and I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so I went back into restaurants where I also have a lot of experience in terms of management, bartending, uh, bouncing as well, being a large human. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, I did that, and then a good friend of mine that I've uh, now since made uh, very close friendships, um, he was working at a Hendrick dealership here in uh, Chapel Hill, mm -hmm. where University of North Carolina is, so on and so forth. And he said that uh, they didn't play the smoke and mirrors games. They didn't 
you know, play any of the other games. It was just a straightforward and really great place to work. So I, I went up there and I gave it a shot, got hired in their used car department and did that for about two and a half years, uh, almost three years, actually, until I kind of semi-retired and went into the wholesale business on my own, going to auctions, buying cars, uh, selling them on Craigslist, vice versa, mm-hmm. just kind of doing whatever I could to make a buck. A little semi-retirement just to test the waters and to see my own business. Sure. Uh, decided that I didn't like it and went back to work at Hendrick. I just had a different store under a different market area and uh, just a different type of management. And that's really where where I am now got started. Okay. Um, so... Super cool. Okay, so you've kind of been through the string of places, right? So there's a bunch of different type of people that you've worked with and for and different types of uh, dealerships where they have different arrangements. Yes. Okay. And so when you, you said that you started as a detailer, so you didn't actually start in sales. Is that common for those types of positions to not start at, you know, is the, is the detailer usually the first job that a dealership person will, will get? No, but uh, my confidence level, if you will, wasn't up to par with what it needed to be at the age of 17 to go sell cars. Sure. And at that point, I was just trying to uh, make, if, if I was making $10 an hour at that point, I was happy. And I believe that's what it was. It was under the table. It was whatever. It was cash. Yeah. And I was able to go out and, you know, have fun with my friends afterward. Okay. I always had a strong work ethic. Um, ever since what, 14, I was working bagging groceries. When I was, before that, I pushed my lawnmower around the neighborhood and knocked on people's doors at the age of like 10. So it's uh, earning money and being successful was always something that I wanted. And it's always something I've deviated throughout the years through, you know, different things, but it's always kind of been on the, uh, on the burner. It sounds like you've been a salesman at heart forever. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be, I tell you what, to be a car person and to do what we do and to work the hours that we work, you have to have it in your heart and you can't, you, you have to be born with it. And there's a lot of people out there that are like, I work with a lot of really talented people in a really, really big industry. Yeah. And I learn something new every single day that I work. And it's, it's, a, it's a real blessing. And so do you like being a finance manager more than the um, sales on the, like the, on the lot? Uh, yes and no. That's a good question. It's actually something I've been going over with myself recently too, because, uh, as, as a car salesman, I got to fulfill my passion and talk about cars and Mm -hmm. demo cars. And that's what made me very successful on the sales floor because I was so passionate. I like, we're we're sitting here talking about cars. I mean, let's do this. (laughs) I do this all day for fun. Um, now I'm selling banks. I'm selling, uh, extended service coverages, Mm -hmm. products that I also believe in. But um, the passion still lies with the cars. So do I wish I was selling cars? I mean, at some sort of aspect, I don't know, maybe. But at the same time, I absolutely love the career path that I'm on yeah. uh, with the company that I'm with. And I love uh, what? I love. I don't know. I just love being there. Sure. It's weird. Like <laughs> you hate it. But at the same time, you're like, you know, I, I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to. I, I want to be here. I want to be with these people. I want to do what I do. And I want to work. Yeah, I think that's often a common misconception of people is that they believe that because you love your job, everything about it is perfect. And yes. that's that's not that's not true for anything in life. <laughs> no. So um, so when you're a fi- on the finance manager side of it, um, do you have to have a degree or any type of training to be able to get to that type of position? 
<laughs> that's a uh, that's a funny and interesting story too. I tell you what. All right, I'll tell you that story because I don't know how much time you have, and if you want to cut me off, just cut me off. But I'm a talker, so let's go. Sure. Um, I did not personally did not believe in the educational system, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So if if you really wanted to nitpick and get into the the history and the background of my education, I'd have to say the last grade that I actually completed was the seventh grade. Okay. Um, after back and forth in terms of homeschooling, different schools, uh, different attitudes that I had towards life and, and, and the things in it uh, led me to different places until finally I was about 16 and I just said, I can't do this anymore. I dropped out, I got my GED and I went to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also restaurants. That was, you know, that was the dealership, uh, detailing cars. That was a couple of different kick around jobs, roofing, uh, stuff like that. So in a lot of cases, I put my size to use to go to work. Yeah. Um, as I did that, I moved up in each industry that I worked in. So when I was in restaurants, it was I went on to be a server. I went on to be a bartender. And then I went on to be a manager throughout the years. Sure. Um, so climbing that proverbial corporate ladder, if you will, has always been something that I've enjoyed doing mm-hmm. um, because it's a challenge. And I like to overcome and over like you know surpassing challenges thrown at me. So uh, anyway, so yeah, so education, uh, no, there isn't any. Everything that I've learned, everything that I do, I've either been taught on the job um, or until recently, a whole bunch of journals and YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Okay. So would you say that in this industry with the type of positions that you've, you've held, it's more important for work ethic and personality than it is for education? Absolutely. I see people come all, and again, uh, my words uh, will in no way, shape or form uh, denigrate an education. Like That's amazing that you've got it. It's amazing that you have it. I put it to use, work with it, go with it, but it's not the only way to make a good living. Yeah. Um, so the people that I've worked with, I've seen master's degrees come through the dealership and move on to other things, decide to hate it, go on and do other things. Uh, I've seen people from the same educational background that I am, which is the lack of, and they come in and they're just as successful. So I work with people making what three, four hundred thousand dollars that maybe have a GED. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's the, the auto industry is um it's you know it's it's a really good industry to be in. It's very profitable because you're always you're always servicing your car. You're always buying a car. You're always <laughs> doing this. You're always doing that. And it's 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 one of those necessary evils. Yeah, so. absolutely. So what would be, if somebody was interested in this, let's say they, they hear this and they say, you know what, this kind of sounds like me. What would be a good starting point or a good starting job for them to have that would give them a feel for what it would be like? Get on a sales floor immediately if you want to if you it's it's not so much my job like i'm middle management all right there's nothing glamorous about what i do my job's a grind um what i want my my career path and if anybody wants to pursue this career path get on the sales floor start talking to people start selling cars start learning the business start learning your and and learn your products so on and so forth but uh yeah if you want to move up you go to sales manager, you go to retail operations manager, you go to general manager, market area VP. And for me personally, that's where I'd like to retire from. So that's my 25 to 30 year plan. Okay, very cool. And so what type of personalities do you think really um, do well in the auto industry when you're looking at sales or management? 
anyone that you can master. So and that might sound weird, but any personality, because you, as a salesman, you're a chameleon. So you, and you have to do it quickly too, because one minute I'm talking to somebody about a Corvette and that's a hundred thousand dollar car. And this guy's, you know, an executive vice president somewhere. And, and then the next, and he wants somebody to talk to him this way. And he wants to talk to somebody about certain things. And then you go and you talk to somebody else who's a family guy. He's buying a truck for him and his family. And he's a, he's a blue collar worker like me. And I got to get in there and I got to talk to him on the same level, of course, but in that different way. So you have to, you have to be able to shape shift your personality to each client that you have um, immediately and effectively. Okay. So there's also times where, I'm sorry, uh, you no, go no, on, you think no, that, uh, okay, you have, uh, what, you get about 30 seconds into a conversation and all of a sudden you realize you have to bounce back to a different personality. I mean, it's, it's definitely a different stressful position. Um, and when you do it, when you do it in the position that I'm doing now, you only have maybe five minutes to, to get someone to warm up to you before you start trying to sell them something on the sales floor. You have three or four hours because by the time you're done with it, you've effectively made them your best friend and, they love you. So I have, like, all of a sudden I come in and I'm the guy who's making the payment go up. Yeah. Yeah. So, then yeah. that's, that's gotta be the harder <laughs> part, right? Cause you're the yes. one with the final numbers. Yes. Okay. And so what, what's the one personality trait that you think you possess that makes you succeed in your position? I'll being able to talk to anybody and everybody about anything. Sure. I love people. That's just what it is. Like when I, so I, I actually recently got engaged and when um, we first started dating, we drove up to Baltimore, Maryland with uh, her good friend, Becky. And uh, what? So I was walking out of the gas station. I'd already made a friend inside and Becky looks to Taylor and says, he'll make a friend anywhere. And that's <laughs> pretty much what it is. I, I, some guy was standing in line. I started talking to him. And before you knew it, I mean, I think his name was like Carl or something. It was, you know. It was good. <laughs> okay. And so, so on the flip side of that, if somebody is shy or maybe they're introverted or maybe they're not capable of holding, um, like maybe seeing physical or verbal cues, would this not be the type of position for them? Yes. You're okay. absolutely right about that. And not saying that they couldn't be successful because I've seen, like I said, I've seen all types of types be successful. Um, it just would be a very uncomfortable position for them and they wouldn't enjoy it. So it's again, not that they couldn't be good at it. It's just that, that, that type of personality is you have to be outgoing. You have to be talkative. You have to smile no matter what, because people are going to treat you differently. People are going to give you all sorts of different types of objections and you have to smile at them and you have to overcome them immediately. And if you deviate any way, shape or form from your process that you've been trained, you could really throw the deal into a spiral and just kill it. Okay. So, yeah, and that'll happen personality-wise. So what's the worst possible personality trait that if somebody has, they should just stay away from this industry altogether? Laziness and a lack of work ethic. Okay. Okay. If, you, if you're not willing to work, you're not going to make a paycheck. And if you don't have a good work ethic, then you're not going to make a paycheck. You have to work and you have to bust your tail. Otherwise, you will not make a paycheck and you will starve. And so what's, what's a piece of, or a part of your personality that struggled with where you are, whether either you've had to transform the job or transform yourself to be able to be successful? I have a dark side and it's laziness and I have to really <laughs> overcome it. it okay. I, I'm serious. It's yeah. It's uh, 
I, I can just sit there and do nothing very easily. And unfortunately, that has transferred, not recently, thankfully, but unfortunately, in the past, it has transferred into work where I just sat there and did nothing. Um, and it, if you're going to sit there and do nothing, why even show up to work? So uh, that's something that I've been able to overcome, but it's definitely something I have to continuously keep in check. Okay. And so if since you're at management level, you're a finance manager or business manager, is there a ladder up or a lateral move? I know you talked about some of your 30-year plans. Um, so what would be the steps if somebody's looking to move up from being a manager in um, the auto industry? So, again, um, the numbers are going to speak for themselves. So if you want to move up, you have to be the, the, the most uh, obvious choice, as we call it, within our uh, department. So you're the obvious choice. When there's a position that opens up, well, duh, Daniel Williger is going to be the one to fill it because who else is going to do it besides him? Uh, that's you're being the obvious choice because you can close, you can do this, you can keep your paperwork tight, you can keep everything straight. Um, so moving upward, like I said, you go into – at least in our market area, I know it's structured differently differently within the different market areas, which there's many, many. We mm-hmm. have 101 dealerships, I believe it is, okay, um, and four NASCAR teams. So it's oh, it's wow. a very large, yeah, it's a large org. It's Rick Hendrick, um, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, uh, Dale Earnhardt, and then Jeff Gordon, sure. and then the new guys. He's got it. Those so those all we all work for the same guy. Oh, okay. Um, Amazing man. Amazing guy. Anyway, so uh, moving up in in my market area, you have sales manager from where I go to next. And then you'll have retail operations manager, which means that you oversee the variable side, which is all of sales, guest services, BDC, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get into general manager where you run your own store. So when I say store, that is uh, the one I work at is Hendrick GM South Point. So we're General Motors, which means Cadillac, Buick, GMC and Chevrolet. Um, so we do service and so on. So, uh, the general manager will oversee the entire dealership. Okay. Um, once you do that, you get into market area vice president, and that is where you have, well, my market area VP has 16 stores. So you run and manage all the general managers, all of their issues. You run that store and all of that's issues. And you just, you have a hands-on and that's, um, that's where I want to be. Because I really believe I could do a do a good job doing that. So sure. And so there's a. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunity. Um, like you, if you, if you're somebody that's a go getter, somebody who wants to move up the ladder, there is that possibility for you to work towards something. One hundred percent. Okay. Very cool. And would so, what's the market like for jobs in the auto industry? Is there a lot of jobs available? Is it really competitive to get in um, to become a salesperson or a manager? Is it open or how how is that looking? At least from where you're at. Um, to get into a sales floor, as long as you can get in and convince somebody that you can sell some cars, you can get in and you start selling cars. Um, there are stores that will be more selective. So you'll have a higher end stores where you'll have to absolutely have experience like Cadillac. They don't really want some new guy to come in and start talking to you about a hundred thousand dollar SUV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, but I mean, you know, you can come in and, and you can cut your teeth on a, uh, on a mid grade level, a very nice product and you can what, you can get the training that you need. So in terms of competitiveness to get into my position, uh, consider this. There are 60 maybe salespeople within my dealership, and there's four finance managers. Um, okay. And the finance managers are only getting promoted or transferred to another store once every year or so. 
So it took me, I, I mean, I, I pulled into that dealership, getting that job, getting hired back at Hendrick with the explicit expectation of management in my head. Um, and it took me almost two years to do it. Oh. Uh, excuse me, a year to do it. Okay. So. Okay. <clears throat> and so what would be some of the drawbacks to, um, to your career choice? Uh, the hours it's on, on an average day. If I'm it's bell to bell. So that's eight o'clock in the morning. I'll get there and then I'll leave. If it's slow at the end of the night, no one's in the dealership, eight o'clock. If there's people there, which I'd say about three times out of five, there is, you're leaving at about 10 or 11. Okay. So it's, it's, it's very, is it, do you guys at least have stable scheduled hours or is there a lot of switching between, um, you know, whether you get what days off or. Mm -mm. No, I have a, uh, monthly schedule that's given to me probably about two or three days before the new month starts. I, I live my life month by month. Okay. 30 to 31 days, 28 days, 20, you know, however many days that's month to month. That is what the life is. So, uh, before my month ends, I have a new schedule knowing exactly what days off. It's a pretty steady. If you want to, I, I believe I'm going back to Thursdays, but that's just because we have a, uh, change in personnel. So we actually, we have an opportunity open within our dealership for a new finance manager, but, uh, I believe that position is being examined as we speak. So, oh, okay, very cool. Um, so, what is is it also very commission based? I mean, I know a lot of sales positions are commission instead of you know good hourly pay. Is that is that kind of how it's structured where you're at as well? <clears throat> On the sales floor, mm -hmm. uh, if you're if you're an entry level salesperson, yeah, you're not going to get much of a weekly check or bi-weekly check. I think it's like four or $500. It's not a lot. So you get three checks. So you get two bi-weekly and then you get a um, commission check. And that usually comes around the 10th or 11th of every month. Okay. And that's from your previous month. So that's how you get, that's, that's your, your big check. Um, that's why you really have to hustle because if that check isn't anything, you've taken home a thousand dollars for that month. And I don't know anybody who can successfully live on a thousand dollars raise a family on a thousand dollars a month. You know, I know it's, it's gotta be very difficult. So. Sure. So, and that, I mean, that would be a positive and a drawback is like you get what you put in kind of thing. So if you're not good mm -hmm. at it, it's probably, um, not somewhere you want to stay. No. Okay. So, which is why you have a high turnover rate in my business too, okay. because people come in with the expectation of, okay, I'm going to sell cars. I'm going to be able to afford the big fancy new car that I work at. And I'm going to, you know, sling cars, blah, blah, blah. And then get in and they see how much work is actually associated with being successful in the industry, um, that they give up and quit and go do something else. Okay. Yeah. And so what has been your worst day so far? Um, can I have two? Absolutely. Okay, so the first one was at the uh, Chapel Hill store when I was doing the pre-owned. And pre-owned cars, I was strictly doing, I didn't sell any new cars. New cars, you don't have service issues. Pre-owned cars, you have somebody that will be driving the car for two or three weeks. Maybe it has 50,000 miles on it, and something happens to where maybe the brakes are not what they we thought they checked out to be or something like that. I'm not saying it happens a lot, but it's a pre-owned car. You never want to know what could happen. Sure. So <clears throat> seeing that we recently sold it to them, we're kind of obligated to fix it. Um, there was one day where I had three people, uh, sitting in my waiting area at work, very, very upset at me, three different people with three different, uh, vehicle issues. Oh, and no. I went, yeah, I, I went and I greeted every single one of them. I told them I'd get their cars fixed. They didn't want to hear me. They, 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 it was just very terrible. And, uh, I went and I hid in the mechanics bay for a couple hours. <laughs> 
that, yeah, that's not that's not fun at all. No. And you were the left. salesperson at that point. Yeah. Oh I was, man. I, I sold a lot of cars there. You know, it was there was there was months where I sold maybe you know six to nine, but there were also months. I mean, my the, the biggest month I had there was like twenty one cars. Oh wow. And I mean, for that time, for for our store, that was good numbers. I mean, it depends on. You go to a Toyota store, you got people selling 40 cars a month. You go to, you know, Kia stores or Fiat stores, you have people selling maximum of five to 10. Yeah. So it just depends. It's all relative. Um, so another bad day was actually at the store that I'm at now. I was on the Chevy side and uh, I did a great job building rapport and selling the truck. And it was for a Silverado, which is the, uh, the big trucks that we sell, mm-hmm. at least on the Chevy side. And, uh, we even popped the mother, we popped the hood and he looked at it cause he wanted a V8 and it comes in a V6. All right. And I promised him it was a V8 cause I looked at it. He looked at it. I'm a car guy. So naturally I was cocky about looking at it. I looked at it. I said, yeah, no, that's a V8. And I went on, I rolled about, it. I, I just rolled on. And, um, well, he was a guy about my age, but he had his parents there and they were just kind of there shopping with them. I think it was around the holiday. So he, uh, what he, he was there with them. However, the, the story goes anyway. Sure. Um, he got out of finance and it was a good deal. Like, you know, we, we made some decent money. It was a, it was a happy customer. It was a really good time. And I had another customer coming in and like the time worked out perfectly to where I would have sold two cars consecutively back to back, which would have made for a fantastic Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, as he's coming out of finance, the father pops the hood, looks at the motor and said, Hey, there's only three cylinders on each side. Cause you could tell from the uh, exhaust manifold that there was only three cylinders. Oh no. And I said, no, 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 there's four. And I, he, he sat there and he counted. He said, nope, there's three. I said, we needed a V8. And that, uh, that, that sent definitely a deal into a spiral. Um, and so as, as, <laughs> as it would go naturally, um, yeah. I, I lost that deal. And then I had to give my other customer away to someone else as I handled and tried to put out the fire with that deal. I had to give that uh, other deal to someone else. And I only ended up with half a car deal as opposed to two full ones. Oh, no. Yeah. That's going to be hard because you you have to feel like you have to make it right. But at the same time, you're watching your money walk away, right? Yes, exactly. Oh, that's horrible. and you put in all the work and all the time and all the effort, one to sell the car, the other to get the people there and to get them going. And I mean, it's, it's, it was emotionally draining that day. Oh, I bet. So, Did it happen yeah. in like the beginning of the day or the end of the day? The whole day. It was my oh. entire day. Oh no. Yeah. Like I think from like the morning time, cause what you do is you have your sales meeting to amp you up on Saturday morning, just do a little bit of training and then uh, you go and you hit the BDC, which is the Business Development Center. You call and you confirm your appointments. You call and try and make new appointments. You get leads from uh, your BDC manager, uh, which in our case is Paul. Mm-hmm. And um, what? Not that you would know Paul. But <laughs> 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 I say like, you know, yeah, no, he's just Paul. He's a good guy. Uh, no, anyway, um, he is. But no, so you, you, you try and develop more business. But then around noon, inevitably it gets busy. And then you start cranking. And I had two appointments and, and they were lined up back to back. And like I said, I was, I was very meticulous and I still am about my time and about, um, what my organization of paperwork and all, and all of that. So that's, that's a big thing for me. So I had that all meticulously mapped out and it failed miserably. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. And so if we if we look at the happier end of it, what would you say is your best day or best days? 
Oh gosh, I got a lot of those. <laughs> I mean, with the right attitude, every day is your best day. That's um, true. So, best days in the in the car business. Uh, let's see. Again, at the other dealership, the pre-owned dealership in Chapel Hill, I uh, again I, I lined up appointments perfectly and sold three cars in one day, and that was beautiful. And I made good money on each of them, and I uh, I ended up getting like a nice little. Uh, what it's called a hat trick, like you would in soccer or football, depending on where you are in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, uh, if you already know, then I apologize, but you, uh, you score three, you get a hat trick. So that's what we called it. It was a hat trick and sure. I got a hat trick that day and made a bunch of money and it was, it was a good day. So that, uh, that was a good day. And then I, you know, other ones where you just, you, you, okay. So just a broad generalization of what a good day is. Cause there's been many, many, many like this. Sure. Uh, when you have somebody who comes in and they have their hat in their hand and they have nothing and they can't like they, their friend drove them in, they drove in in a car that shouldn't have started. And I don't know how it did. Like that wheel should have fallen off a hundred thousand miles ago, but it didn't. Um, so you're able to put them in a good car. And a lot of times, you know, GM offers some really good incentives. So you're able to do it for a good price and you make the, it like everything aligns and they're just like ecstatic and happy and like praising God and, you know, all, like just really getting into it and having a good time. And it's like when you're able to help somebody and really truly help them, that's a, that's an amazing feeling. And you, you don't get to always feel that way in my business because a lot of times people will leave angry at you because you did raise their budget or you did, uh, you know, you did something wrong. And so to have the times where somebody's like truly grateful and thankful and they send a letter to your GM and that gets read at the luncheon. And then there's just, I mean, it's a wonder world of just all this amazing things that could happen with a happy customer. So, yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that there's been a lot of people that even though you, you know, in your line, there are both happy and sad <laughs> and angry yeah. customers. There's a lot yeah. of people that have had that car that was so exciting to get when mm-hmm. you got it. Um, and I'm sure that's just as exciting for you when somebody finds that. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at that, the, those good days, um, what would you say are the benefits? So the reasons why people would want to be in this business? Uh, gosh, why you'd want to be in the car business? Yeah. Um, the pay, the paychecks. Okay. That's, that's really, I mean, and again, if you have a passion for cars, cause I've driven some really cool cars that like I, I could never, well, not never afford, but couldn't have afforded at the time that I drove them. Sure. Um, what, so I've been able to do that. So that's, that's been a cool little benefit, but it's, it's the paychecks. I mean, you're not doing this because you like the hours. You're not doing this because it's easy and, and smooth work. It's because you put the grind in and out comes a nice little paycheck and you're just, you're happy. And then it, it, that, and it, not that money's everything. Cause it really isn't. And please don't mistake me for being greedy. It's just, I grew up without money and you know, my parents did a great job raising us. My parents did a great job providing. I never went hungry. I always had clothes. I mean, I had everything that I needed, but there wasn't like a whole bunch of excess money. Sure. And it wasn't like there, I heard we can't afford it a lot. And, and that was, that was, I, I don't know, maybe now I'm sounding definitely like a punk, but it was just tough. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. And I didn't want to do that to myself. I didn't want to do that to my family. I didn't, I want to ultimately buy a 100 to 200 acre valley in Colorado Rockies. 
So that's that's what I want. And that's not going to come with smiles. That's got to come with money. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And yeah. and honestly, it's it's also one of those things that in the, it sounds like in your career, what you put in, you get back. And so you're getting you're getting paid to do your work and you're seeing that increase with how much you're putting into it, which I would assume also feels, you know, when you get that money, it's like a sense of accomplishment almost. Oh yeah. You definitely see your hard work getting paid off. So yeah, the, uh, and it's, it's immediate return too. I mean, it's, it's a month, but there's also, there's a lot of bonuses. So if you sell a car, that's an aged unit. So if it's a new car and it's like 365 days or older, which you'll have, <clears throat> you'll have 400 day old units, stuff like that. If you can sell that, that's like a $400 cash spiff. So okay. they'll just hand you $400 cash. And then of course tax you on your next paycheck. But, um, what so like there's there's a lot of motivation and again it's all monetary yeah and that's that's how you get it i mean how do you get a salesman to do anything you pay him that's yeah. that's it if you, <laughs> that's why it's a like, mission right that's how exactly. they figured it out yeah now little do people know that a good salesman is also incredible customer service and you have to be i mean obviously good people good salesmen know that but um yeah you, i mean customer service is is absolutely crucial and so. and um would you say that working for a larger dealership is better than a smaller dealership? Yes. Okay. And does um, because if it's it's incentive based, right? You it's monetary incentive. Is it? I mean, it, does that depend on what type of dealership you're working with? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it also depends upon what type. Excuse me. What type of. Um, what market area you're in. So, I mean, the guy who runs our market area, he, he holds quarterly meetings where at the beginning of each quarter, we go in and we sit down in this beautiful country club's ballroom and we have a eight hour presentation of different business ideas. We go over our numbers and then there's massive, massive rewards that are handed out to the top performers from the last quarter. And by, and I mean, rewards in the five to $10,000 range, $5,000 watches. So again, all you, you've got sales guys who are hungry for success and that is a very good incentive for them. So, yeah. And so that, and you've in, in your experience, have you found that the better the incentive, the better the employee? No. Okay. No, so, I don't know if I can say that. Okay. But because you get the wrong people coming out here doing the wrong things to get it. And so that's why there's so many rules and regulations in terms of my job now is because you have people that are sitting there trying to take advantage of good people and they can, you know, they could be doing it for the wrong money, the wrong reasons, because you don't want dirty money. You don't want bad money. You want honest and hard earned money. And what so yeah i those are bad people and i wouldn't want them to work with me sure. um so yeah my, my business definitely brings out not the best people in the world um but it also brings out some like i said some really strong and really talented and really great people so and do you think um, do you think that's common to have uh maybe an unsavory work environment at times no um okay Depends on the culture. Sure. I mean, this, this is 2017. You're not going to get away with anything anymore, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> not, not, not that you would want to. Again, I mean, if, if you're doing things ethically, um, you're not going to have to worry about 
repercussions that will affect you negatively. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, if you, I don't know, I believe I lost my train of thought, and I do apologize. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so, do you think that people's perceptions of what car salesmen are, do you think that affects you on any level with whether you decided for this, did, it, did you struggle with doing this as a career because of those perceptions, or did it not bother you? Uh, is it, did I struggle to make this my career, or did I just struggle within my career? Did you struggle to decide to make it your career? Like, at any point, did you uh, question being um, being in car sales because of people's perceptions? I mean, I guess so. It was definitely a thought. You have to think of it, because if you if you go into it ignorant, then, you know, that's going to be a rude awakening, because it's apparent the people's perception of a car salesman every time I deal with somebody, because it's... You have to really just get used to not being trusted because you're not trusted. People do not trust me. The people I work with trust me because I'm a trustworthy and honorable guy. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I have for honor tattooed on me. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it, I, I just, you know, it's, it's a battle that you have to overcome, but you overcome it and you do it with a smile. And it's not just, my father always told me actions speak louder than words. I could tell you something I'm going to do all day long, but if I don't do it, then it's just empty promises and empty words. And I can't do that. Otherwise, then I look like your typical sales guy and people hate me. Sure. And so do you think you have to almost have thick skin to be able to be successful? 100%. You have to. You have to, because it's not, it's not just what you're getting from the customers, what you're getting from the higher ups because sure. when your numbers aren't right, they're going to want to know why. And you don't feed them a line. You don't give them the same BS. You tell them what's up and then you fix it. Um, but within the culture that we have at our dealership, that's a very valuable asset to have is being able to fix the problem instead of just cutting it. So if, if you're having a tough time, if you're, uh, something there's a, a man I work with. His name was John Green. He's an incredible person. Uh, he was a retail operations manager at our store, and then he he went uh, down to Alabama for family issues. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, he <clears throat> he told me one time I was having a bad month on the sales floor, and he told me a bad day doesn't make a bad week. A bad week doesn't make a bad month. A bad month doesn't make a bad year. A bad year doesn't make a bad career. Um, so just you're going to have them. You're going to have bad months, and you're going to have bad times, and you know. You got to have the thick stand to get through them. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you think it's important to change the perception that people have about becoming a car salesman um, so that they kind of understand that it is a professional, honorable career choice? Absolutely. We need <clears throat> we, meet, we need more talented people. There's not enough people that get into this business that are, are, are truly and exceptionally talented and not that I am by any means, you know, I just like to talk to people and I'm good at it. But <laughs> I mean, you've got this, it, there's a whole generation of people that are no longer running this industry um, or, or soon to not be running the industry. So you have a lot of people that are in their, their, their retirement stage of their career. And again, just as the shift goes up, there's a lot of room for expansion and growth right now within the entire auto industry. It's not just me. I mean, think of the people who have been doing this for the last 30 or 40 years. And if you go to any GM or, you know, Ford or any type of board meeting, it's it's filled with people who might be retiring soon. Yeah. Not that and, I've ever been to any other board meetings, but. 
<laughs> and so how did your life change when you found when you either found that you loved this career or when you made the decision to make this your career because you loved it how did my life change yeah um uh worked more played less <laughs> <laughs> had more money <laughs> you could you could pay bills you can you can do things. You can start to travel. You can take up golf. You can, you know, do stuff. So, I mean, when I was waiting tables, I was waiting tables just to, to, to earn rent money. But sure. with a successful sales career, you're making payments on all sorts of other things. Like I drive two cars. I, you know, I have a 2016 two SS Camaro convertible. It's a very fast sports car and it has no roof and it's amazing. Then I also have a nice luxury SUV. It's very old, but it's lovely. Um, I wouldn't be able to do that unless I had a good high paying job and sales in the auto industry has given me that. Sure. And so what was the moment that made you decide to move up and continue in this career path? You know, it's funny because I I, I declined the position that I'm in now at the other store because I wanted to go try something else and I didn't think that I wanted the position. and I guess uh, some soul searching on a beach happened and I realized that I needed to get back into the guidance and, and direction of, uh, of a strong sales team. So, uh, I guess October two years ago okay. is, is what, what changed me into saying I need to go back to work. And so that's what I did. Okay. And is there anything, I know you've told us, um, you know, your big dream plan, like where you're going and how you're moving up. Is there currently any um, short-term expansion plans you're kind of looking at that you're moving towards currently? Any training or anything you're kind of doing? There's something called the EPI and then there's something called the Chairman's Club. And those are uh, award systems that you can get on as a finance manager. And a Chairman's Club is uh, you go down to the yearly meeting down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you sit in a big banquet hall with Mr. Hendrick, uh, which is always an honor to, to be with him and, and hear his wisdom. But uh, you sit there with a whole bunch of other people too, and you just have this amazing meeting, and then you get honored, given a big, beautiful ring, a plaque, a big check. And it's just, I mean, it's an amazing honor to have a che- uh, an EPI or a chairman's club because, of course, again, the monetary reward, but just to know that your numbers were that solid for that long and consistently that heavy, but you, I mean, you won that award. So, I mean, I, that's, that's what I'm looking for right now. That's my two or three year goal. Cause I'm still in, I mean, I've been doing what I've been doing for about a year now and there's, there's a huge learning curve coming from sales floor to finance. Mm-hmm. Um, so by no way, shape or form do I speak as though I know everything about my position that I'm in. <laughs> sure. um, but I, I, you know, I've been, I've been doing this for long enough. I feel like I can talk about it, but uh, what? so yeah, so that's what I want to do before I get into sales manager, because I would like to, I would like to run a team and I would like to lead a, a group of people into a sales success. But um, I want to net be first. I want that ring on my finger because that's your championship. Yeah. Like that's for me. That's my Super Bowl. At least for now, because there's so many, because there's so many different awards and there's so many different like goals that I can get and I can reach and I can have. And it's really exciting because it really keeps you motivated and excited about what you do, despite how hard it is and how much you might hate it. It really keeps you motivated and like going. And again, reward a salesman. He's going to do whatever you need. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, so we've kind of gone through what it means to be a finance business manager in um, a car dealership. I just have a few more mm-hmm. questions for you. What did you want to be when you were a kid? A salesman. You wanted to be a, as a as a as a child. When I was in fifth grade, I went to uh, uh, business day or whatever the hell it was um, at uh, Roxborough Elementary School in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. And I dressed up in a suit and tie and with a briefcase because I wanted to be a salesman. That's amazing. That, yes. that I'm sorry, but I totally got a flashback of a Michael Scott moment from The Office where he's there like, you, you know, that kid with the suit and everything. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> what I picture when you say that. That's, that's it. That's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm living the dream. <laughs> You're every day. living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> and so what we have. <laughs> uh, what would you say is the best piece of advice you've received about business? Man. Um, I don't know. It's it's not that I haven't received any. It's just that I've received so much. Because I've worked for some incredible people. And I've learned some amazing things from them. Um, I guess most recently, it was... Uh, God, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, it's just it's tough to narrow it down because, like I said, I've gotten so much. The the whole be you speech is be who you are because you have it in you. I mean, that's that's some real motivational stuff. The I mean, they're your numbers. If you don't like them, change them. That was pretty big because I'm sitting there. You can sit there and blame anybody else for your numbers, but they're not going to they're not going to change them for you. If you want your numbers changed, go in there and change them. And as trivial as that may sound. That's probably the hardest thing that you can overcome because it's so easy to fall into a victim shit, like a, a victim, victimhood, victim, whatever. You yeah. just become a victim. Um, so there's the lack of education right there for you if I knew that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what? So anyway, uh, it's so easy to become a victim in my industry and expect other people to correct uh, your wrongs and to make you successful for you. So, um yeah, you have to really not do that. So that was a tough one to, to get. And then again, the uh, a bad day doesn't make a bad week, and a bad week doesn't make a bad month. That was big. Yeah. I, I really, yeah, I really appreciated him saying that. So, like yeah. I said, I learned a lot from him. And uh, my my current current general manager, uh, Larry, he's he's a really motivational guy too. So. Okay, and so if somebody was looking at going into um, this career path, what would be a piece of advice that you would give them to encourage them to do it? Uh, so to encourage them to do it, just work hard, you know, have a, have a hungry mentality and have a good attitude every single day. If you can have those three things, if you can just have a good attitude and really want it and be willing to work for it, you will absolutely crush it. And you'll be phenomenal. I tell all these new guys that come in and it's like, you know, it's funny. I'm 32. I never thought I would look at somebody who's 21, 22 and think, gosh, you're so young. Because <laughs> When I was that age, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I own the world. But you get these guys that come in and, you know, they have they're just killing it with talent and potential. And you just see it. And sometimes they don't. And that's pretty frustrating. But um, telling them that that they really do have it in them and that they really can be successful. I mean, that's 
because you really can do it. If you're if you're willing to take the step into being a salesman, I mean, that's the first step. Because here's the thing. If if you're you're selling yourself as something every single day, you're selling yourself or somebody else something every single day. And if you're going to sit here and tell me that you're not a salesman and you can't sell cars or you can't sell things, then you're selling me on why you can't sell something. So you're always selling. Everybody is selling always, all the time. I do not turn it off. It does not happen. And neither does anybody else ever. You sell. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, that, that's pretty good advice. So um, thank you for coming on my show today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me and letting me just talk because, again, that's what I love to do. If you like this episode or you're looking to change your career, go to 28andsearching.com or become a patron to get exclusive content sent directly to you. See you next week.